Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Today is the day you've all been waiting for. Nope, it's not NBA opening night. It's the day in Vespers Old Band Squad. Yeah, I'm going to leave a nice short break here so you guys can all scream. Throw your undergarments at me. Is that what happens at rock shows? Rock shows, said the old man. The concerts. The kids, you know, rocking out and so forth. But that's what's on tap. We'll get through as much of it as we can on today's show. We will sprinkle in whatever's left on tomorrow's. Tomorrow's episode will also preview the season. Not necessarily the two games that are happening on Tuesday, because that's... Like, we'll learn a little bit of stuff, but, you know, big Wednesdays when the everything crazy starts going down. But really, just how to approach the season. You know, how to game plan for it. Because it's easy to forget, if you've been with us a long time, and if you're relatively new to the podcast, there's a really good way to watch basketball for fantasy. It's different than watching it for other purposes. And then by Wednesday, we're going to be talking about games that happen. Pickups, drops, things to look for on the card on a given night. We're into the grind at that point. But today, it's Old Man Squad. At least the bulk of it. I am Dan Bespris. This is Fantasy NBA Today, a sports ethos presentation. You can find me on Twitter, at Dan Bespris. Um, Social media is going a little bit crazy right now. I didn't expect this sort of response. I just put out a little... Twitter game on Saturday in the late morning that was like, hey, send me your team from a draft you've had, and I'll tell you a pick that I like on your team and a pick that I don't like. And I thought, like, I don't know, 20 or 30 of you might send it back in. Well, 333 teams later, TweetDeck has swallowed up a good half of them. I'm really sorry. If you sent your team in and I didn't respond to it, it's because they just disappear. Like, I've got TweetDeck, and I'm trying to pull up everything as it's happening, and they just, it doesn't show uh so yeah i'm really sorry about that um you can get in the mix you can send it again if i missed it the first time i won't be offended you can even say i tried sending this one time i'll try again and i'll be like dude i'm sorry i i'm trying that was a bit more than expected i've probably done like a third of them at this point will i ever get to all of them probably not I'm an adult human with responsibilities, but I'm trying. That's just the tip of the iceberg. We will have so much stuff on social. Really, like, normally I say when the season starts, although I guess it kind of happened already, but really once the season starts. That's where we do all of our in-between podcast stuff. So please, if you don't have Twitter, I understand it can be a terrifying place. There's a lot of really awful things that go on on Twitter, but just don't follow all of that stuff. Make sure you set your settings so that you only get tweets from people that are that you follow and follow me, follow Ethos Fantasy BK, make sure you get your news really quick. It'll change the way you play fantasy sports. I promise you that. For the better. We continue to recruit here at Sports Ethos. You can hit me up on Twitter about that at Dan Bespris or email roster at sportsethos.com, looking for full-season NBA folks, full-season NFL folks, full-season MLB folks, full-season NHL folks even. Yes, we have an NHL fantasy show. 
Blake doing a wonderful job over there. We're looking for handicappers, DFS players, whatever you might do. If you think you can do it great and you've got a passion, hit us up. Draft season just about done. Last day for that today, too. Most of you have figured out these Old Man Squad members by listening to the podcast over the last five plus six years, whatever it's been. Many of you have figured them out by listening just throughout this offseason. Some of you figured out by listening towards the end of last year, but we're going to dive in right now. We're going to go through all of them, each, I should say, one by one, and then probably tomorrow's show, or depending again on timing, uh, I want to make sure that I highlight the ones that are kind of my favorites, because there's a few different things going on here with the old man squad. Last year, I tried to break it out into like really risky upside plays that you could only do in Roto. I'm just going to tell you that as I go through. So just pay close attention. If you need to rewind, that's fine. I'm going to try to say the player's name I'm talking about a few times. I know that people hate that when podcasters, myself included, but just sort of in general, get off on a long tangent and then forget to mention who they're talking about because it's easy to lose focus. We will start at the top. This list is organized by ADP of the players involved, not by how much I like them. And so I will try to explain to you how much I like them as I go through each one. Player number one on the list has an ADP of five right now. His ADP was two at the start of draft season. He has fallen in boards down to where I thought he might go. Actually thought he might go even a little bit later than this. And that is Kevin Durant, who... Kind of planting our flag here on this show. If KD turns out to be a complete disaster this year, I'm going to have a number of teams that don't do very well. I just have a really good feeling about Kevin Durant this season. We know his fantasy game is great. There's a whole thing to prove thing going on. He's got Kyrie more or less focused. The vibes in Brooklyn have improved after a really weird offseason. I think Kevin Durant should be going second. I think his per game rank at the end of this year will be number two. I think his totals rank at the end of this year will be number two, which it would have been last year if he had even gotten to within two games of Joel Embiid, but he didn't because he had that knee sprain that cost him like seven weeks, and there was kind of no coming back from that. But other than that, KD was actually really healthy last year. He didn't have a whole bunch of bumps and bruises. He didn't have to miss one game here, two games there all that often. It was kind of one big chunk. And if you carry that philosophy over year from one year to the next and assume that, again, He's not going to be dealing with the constant nicks that knock people out every once in a while. Dodge the big one. We can sort of swallow two, three weeks even. Four wouldn't actually be the end of the world. Uh, but six, seven, eight, whatever, that'll make it really hard to get him to number two by totals. But, I, you know, I just... I think KD has a gigantic year. I think the fact that he's going at five or later, I think I saw him go at six, seven, even in a couple of drafts, I think that's just a colossal steal in the first round, and it's a big deal. I know we're only talking like four or five numerical slots, but if you remember last year, by totals, we'll talk totals here because that really is important for guys at the top of the fantasy board. The difference between the number two player and the number seven player was the equivalent of a fourth rounder. So that's a really big deal. You know, you get Durant at seven, he plays at number two. It's like getting a free fourth rounder, just juiced right into your lineup and without having to use any extra games played on it. Believe it or not, I don't actually think there's anybody else in the top chunk that's that big of a steal until you get to ADP number 14.5. 
and that is Damian Lillard, who... Y'all say this, a lot of folks have zero concern about his health. I don't have zero concern. I have a little bit. I have a little bit. Um, I don't think they're going to over-push him. I think that's a, a very dangerous thing to do with somebody coming back off surgery. I know he's had plenty of time to heal up. But look, he's a year older, and they actually did bring in a few decent players around him. And if the Blazers, heaven forbid, actually get off to a decent start, that would open things up a little bit more. The reason to expect him to play a ton of ball games is if this is a team fighting tooth and nail to either get into or out of the play-in tournament, which I think that's pretty much right where they're clunked. Dame is not typically a top four or five per game guy, generally because his field goal percent is a pretty good size negative. He doesn't get many steals and blocks. So he's carrying you in some stuff. Points, threes, free throw percent are always going to be very elite. Assists are going to be pretty good, typically, you know, between six and seven and a half, probably. So that's decent. But, you know, steals are going to be uh, generally below average. Blocks are going to be very low. Field goal percent is going to be a drag. Turnovers are going to be a little bit of a drag. But, like, we're talking about a second rounder at this point. So try not to ding him with it all too much. I think he does get some days off. I You know, as much as he wants to play, I'm sure, every ball game, they're not going to push him too hard. So probably... The games played thing with Dame is going to be pretty close to league average, which, you know, last year was like 68 out of 82. Get Dame around 68 out of 82, and he'll, I think, still be a value. There's going to be some rust. He'll knock that off. I have him at about number 10 per game and right around that same mark by totals. I have him listed at number 9 on my board, but, you know, you're splitting hairs a little bit, 9, 10, 11, something like that. Folks, picture this nightmare scenario. You're hosting friends for the big game. It's neck and neck in the fourth quarter, and suddenly you realize you're out of drinks. Boo, say all of your friends. You start to sweat. Your friends turn on you. You're forced to go on a last-second drink run and end up missing the game-winning touchdown while in line. Oh, no. Terrifying, isn't it? Luckily, you can avoid the drama with Drizzly the go-to app for drink delivery. With Drizzly, you can shop a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your watch party. Compare prices across multiple stores in your area, find the best deals on game day drinks, and get back to armchair quarterbacking from, you guessed it, your armchair. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com today. Must be 21 plus, not available in all locations. A few more in the second round. 16.1 and falling. The ADP on the king. Yes, LeBron James made the old man squad for the first time in history. And it's largely because LeBron was making some of his free throws last year. Last season, LeBron did a lot of things extraordinarily well. But guess what? I'm actually not that concerned about those things. Because look, LeBron had 30 points a game, three threes, eight boards, six assists, over a steal, over a block. He shot 52.5% from the field. He had 75.5% at the free throw line on six attempts per ball game. And I know a lot of people are going to be like, well, you know, the Lakers, like if they make the trade for to get rid of Russ, then that's going to bring in some people that'll lighten the load on LeBron. And if AD stays healthy, that'll lighten the load on LeBron. And if AD stays healthy and or 
Damian Jones slash Thomas Bryant remains useful at center. That will lighten the load on LeBron. And guess what? All of that is true, and I don't care. I'll say it again. All of that is true, and I don't care. Because if you go back to the previous year, where LeBron was actually even more dinged up than this most recent one, he was at 25 points per game, 8 boards, 8 assists, 1.1 steals. The blocks came back down because he was playing power forward instead of center. Two and a half threes. I think the threes actually stay pretty high this year for whatever that's worth. But high volume, sub 70% at the free throw line. You want to go to the previous year, 2019-2020, the COVID-shortened season where the Lakers ended up winning the title? LeBron was number 16 that year, 25.5 points, 8 boards, 10 assists, so that number was higher. Field goal percent was actually lower, under 50%, free throw, 69%. Again. No one's really taking all of the usage away from LeBron. I will give you that he may not need to shoot as often. If Kendrick Nunn turns out to be pretty good, if they trade Russell Westbrook for someone like, say, Buddy Heald and or Miles Turner, those guys to take a few shots, a healthy Anthony Davis would also take a few shots from LeBron James this year. But you know who's passing those guys the ball? If he's on the court, it's LeBron. LeBron with a bad free throw percent is a mid-second rounder. LeBron with a good free throw percent is a mid-to-late first. He was an early first last year because he did all of those other things. But even if you peel the points down from 30 back to 25, 26, even if you peel the threes from three down to two and a half, there will be a counterbalance, by the way, if he doesn't score as much in assists. They were basically like a career low last year because he had nobody to pass it to. Six will go back up to seven or eight or nine or ten. If the points come down, field goal percent was so very, very high, and it'll stay pretty high for the King. But it's all going to come down to free throw percent. And he made his foul shots last year. And I'm inclined to believe that whatever he figured out last season carries over because I believe in a certain measure of consistency. When guys start to do better with something, it sort of sticks a little. And he really didn't fall off. He was locked into that number pretty much the whole year. All that to say, LeBron James, I believe his per-game mark is right around Dame in that 9-11 to range. By totals, I do think he misses a few more games than league average, plays probably in the 64-65 range. So by totals, you've got LeBron near the turn. That's still a value, especially when you think about the fact that his ADP is 16.1, but it's falling. His X-rank, silly Yahoo, is 22. So he's actually going closer to 18 or 19 in most drafts right now. Another second-round pick, Kyrie Irving. By the way, there's no chance we get through the whole man squad at this current pace. Maybe we'll go a little faster on some of the less gigantic names, but whatever. Kyrie Irving, and this one hurts a lot to talk about, but there's just so much room for him right now when you think about the fact that his ADP has fallen to 17. That's way down the board. His X-rank is still 13, but nobody wants anything to do with him. So he's getting drafted beyond that. And mid-second round for a guy who, per game, is probably going to be inside the top eight. In fact, I have him at seven on my board. Even if he misses 20 games this year, that still keeps him in front of that 17 mark. And I know that hurts more in head-to-head than Roto. I get it. These players that miss a bunch of games, you like... You're wearing it a little, but if the totals beat the ADP, that means that overall, that's still a win. 
Kyrie per game seven totals 13. I don't think we need to say more about him other than just like he's a loony bin, but I think he might loony bin his way into like 64, 65 games this year instead of 45. Logically, it makes sense he'd play even more than that. I think I'm being pretty strict with how many games I'm actually willing to give him. DeJounte Murray is another one I like. His ADP is 21. Uh, his X rank is 17. So it's not 100% clear where he's going. It does seem to be pretty wide berth between like 24 and 14. Towards the front of that pack, I don't think there's quite as much meat on the bone. In fact, per game, I have him at 14 this year. I think his assists take a pretty good dip season over season. He's just not going to have that in Atlanta because Trey Young is going to have the ball in his hand more. But luckily for us, DeJounte's got that nice floor of rebounds and steals, and that type of stuff doesn't go away because he's still going to play starters minutes. So yeah, we're going to see some erosion in assists. I think scoring-wise won't change a ton. He'll need to finish a decent amount. Just might be getting passes from Trey Young instead of like from nobody, pretty much. Um, so points, small dip, assists, bigger dip, and then other stuff stays. So drop him from the mid-first probably to the mid-second. Uh, I think Atlanta's going to try to stay healthy and win a bunch of games this year. So by totals, I actually have Murray towards the back end of the first round. He's in there with Dame and LeBron uh, right around number 10 or so by total. So I, I do think there's some value there. Really big roto value guy is Kawhi Leonard, whose ADP is 25 per game. I've got him at 8. I don't think you see much drop-off with Leonard. His game is just so freaking fantasy-friendly. He also doesn't turn the ball over very much, which makes it really easy for him to stay in that upper echelon because he's one of the very rare first-round value-type guys that isn't a negative in turnovers and is good in all the other stuff. He's like Kevin Durant with a little bit less flash from a fantasy standpoint. 20-some-odd points, mid-20s. Six and some odd assists, probably five and some odd, sorry, rebounds, five and some odd assists, two threes. That's going to be really similar to KD. Kawhi will have more steals. Durant will have more blocks. They're both going to be big positives in both percentages. It's just It's hard to find guys that are good in basically all nine categories. And Kawhi, KD, those are guys that are. How can you not be a first rounder? Now he's going to miss a bunch of games. So head to head side, I get it. You can dodge this one if you want. I still think he, think he beats his ADP because it's just so far down right now. Uh, when you're number eight, you can miss a truckload of games, and you can still be fine. And in fact, Leonard is a great example of that, because two years ago, he played in 52 out of 72 ball games. He was number six per game that year. And by totals, again, uh, despite missing 20 games, he was number nine. So there's just like, there's so much wiggle room when your per game numbers are that good. Brief pause in the middle of today's show to remind you guys that this is your last day to use the draft guide. And you get everything in the draft guide solo. Some of you I know are afraid to do the six month membership. Look, I think you guys should get the fantasy pass. I personally think so. Because you get to use it all season long. You get to ask questions of the pros, including myself, all season long. You get tools. We have weekly matchup tools. We're going to have trade raider tools. you got a schedule grid, a streaming chart. You've got projections. You've got all that awesome in-season stuff at your fingertips. Instant reaction threads and Discord as well. 
But if you're per- petrified of that, if you don't, if you really adamantly don't want that, the draft guide has all that good stuff in it as well. The Brewski 150, sleepers, projections are in there as well. That is all available over at sportsethos.com, sportsethos.com. Check it out right now. Ooh, I get to tell you guys about some stuff from ExpressVPN later on in today's show also. Almost forgot. Don't worry, I didn't fully forget. We'll got that coming up in just a little bit. Next on the board is Freddie Van Fleet, who was a much larger uh, old man squad win earlier in draft season. Remember when his ADP was like really close to the end of the 20s? Well, it's up at 27 now, thanks to Yahoo's X rank bumping him up to number 20. So yes, not nearly as exciting. And in fact, if he's truly going at 20, I don't think there's actually a, that much value left with him. Freddie Van Fleet last year is a pretty good barometer of what he's going to do this season because Toronto hasn't changed much. And last year he was number 22 per game and actually slightly back of that by averages. I have him pretty much in that same spot per game around number 20. Totals about number 21, 22 as well. I think he plays pretty close to league average number of games. If he's going near 30, that's a good mid-third round pick. If you have to take him towards the end of the second round, I'd rather you go a different way. Unless there aren't any interesting guys in the back. I just think he's like, that's probably where he belongs. So this is a smaller value, but it is a value nonetheless, if that ADP turns out to be accurate. Jimmy freaking Butler. And this is a really tough one, because he burned a number of my teams last year. I know he did play, like, some games. It wasn't a complete and total, you know, Anthony Davis-sized meltdown or or Damian Lillard-sized disaster. But Jimmy Butler was still number 15 per game last year. Missed 25 games and was still number 32 by totals, which to me was kind of a worst-case scenario. His ADP this season is 30.1. That's a freaking no-brainer in the middle of the third round because per game, there really isn't a reason to think much falls off. I've got him at number 17 per game as he just sort of lets other guys do a tiny bit more. And even if he misses 15 to 20 games this year, he's still a second-rounder probably late second round, and early third at the very worst. Per game 17, totals 23 is where I've got Jimmy Butler. I think he's a really easy third round pick if you can get him, especially as he falls sometimes even towards the later part of the third. But guess what? If he doesn't, you've got two really juicy options towards the end of the third round that made the Dan Vesper sold man squad. By the way, you might have noticed most of the names so far are actually old. DeJounte Murray is the only one that wasn't so far. And these guys are as well. In fact, we've got about three or four more old dudes before it starts to get a little bit more mixed. Some youth mixed in there. Don't worry, it's not all old. And the two names I'm going to bring up, Nikola Vucevic and Chris Paul. Vuce, ADP of 35. Chris Paul, ADP of 35 and a half. And I get it. They're not exciting. That's never been the argument for any of this stuff. But... They're going this late. They really are. I've seen Chris Paul fall to 40 in drafts. I've seen Vooch fall past 40. And it just makes no sense unless you're predicting Chris Paul to completely fall off a cliff. Now with Vooch, if we want to talk about him first, he had, by all accounts, one of his worst shooting seasons last year. He moves, I mean, he's continued to move farther from the bucket. But even if we just assume he replicates last year, which was a bad shooting season... 
He was already number 29 per game and number 18 by totals last year. So what's the expectation? Because Chicago didn't add anything. In fact, Lonzo Ball still seems to be out. Zach Levine's going to do what Zach Levine does. And then you've got Vooch. He's still going to get his 16 shots per ball game, a steal, a block. He might even score a tiny bit more if his free throws come up the tiniest tick or his field goal percent ticks up just a little bit. Maybe 18 points becomes 19. There's a little bit of upside built in there with Vooch, even beyond just like if he even just does what he did last year, he still beats this. So I've got him pretty much doing what he did last year. Per game 27, I went even a little bit more conservative on games played. I figure he misses, I don't know, he only played... Missed nine last year. I'm missing more like 11 this season. Totals still, that beats league average, 20. He's an early third per game. He's a late second totals. And with Chris Paul, even if you build in erosion, it's the same general story. Because last year he was number 19 per game. Missed pretty much every game last year because of one injury to his hand. Came back from it early and still managed to play 65 games, which is only a couple less than league average. I get it. He's shooting less and less every year, but dude had 11 assists and two steals a game last year and was a positive in both percentages despite being a point guard. I don't know. He doesn't take a ton of three-pointers, but guess what? I don't really care because dude is going to beat 36 on a per-game basis, and he's almost definitely going to be healthy enough to beat that on a totals basis as well. Chris Paul, I have 21 per game, so just a little tick down. Totals, I've got him at 16. I think he actually plays in one or two games more than league average. A couple more old guys on the shelf here. Drew Holiday, ADP of 43.0. This one is like, this is back to the baseball metaphors. This is your clean single to the left. Because the Bucks want him to play about 68 games, league average. He's going to be in the mid-30s uh, per game, so he'll be, probably be about mid-30s by totals. This is one who's going in the fourth round, and he's just a third rounder. I don't need a big, big explanation on that one. If you want to get a third rounder in the fourth, you go Drew Holiday. Okay. Here's one that's got a little bit more variance to it, and that is Kristaps Porzingis, who, by the way, you know why I talked about Kevin Durant is one that I'm really kind of planting my flag in this year as like a guy that I think outperforms his ADP, which is hard to do when your ADP is five. Um, you know, LeBron probably is like kind of an honorable mention for that category. Kawhi and Roto, Jimmy Butler, KD, maybe the biggest one that we're going. Um, if Butler, Vooch, and Chris Paul are kind of medium size, Porzingis is also like just sub Kevin Durant on this. I think he's going to have a really nice year. He's going to miss games. He will. He's not going to have like a healthy season. A healthy season for Porzingis would be like what MB did last year. So like mid to high 60s would be a really good scenario. I actually think you're probably looking at low 60s in games for Porzingis, maybe 61, 62. But you know what? That's more than enough. Because in certainly more so in Roto, but frankly in any format, if you can draft someone at 46.9, he's at the very end of the fourth round, that is basically guaranteed to be a mid to late second rounder per game. There's so much wiggle room on the injury side. There's a ton. I mean, there isn't really a, a great example to go to from last year. Uh, Time Lord 
is sort of close if you're just looking at the numbers. He was number 13 per game, played in only 61 out of 82 games. That put him at number 25 by totals. So with Porzingis, if you think he's more like number, I don't know, 18 or 19 and plays in 61 games, yeah, that moves him down, I don't know, another 7 to 10 slots. But that still puts him in the mid-third. And he's going end fourth. That's a big jump with upside. On the off wild chance that he gets to like 64 or 65 games this year, Kristaps Porzingis could end up a second rounder you're getting at the end of the fourth, beginning of the fifth. I'm a big fan of that one this season. And blocks are pretty hard to come by this year, especially from centers that don't muck up your free throw percent. Now, the knock on Porzingis is obviously that uh, he's not going to help your field goal percent very much, if at all. He's like ever so slight negative there. But, I mean, damn. (laughs) Damn. That's the analysis. Where are we at time-wise? 27, 28 minutes into this thing? All right, let's do a couple more, then we'll tell you about ExpressVPN. Uh, next one on the board is Terry Rozier, who, um, you know, he's been steadily climbing draft boards, which is a damn shame because he was way late early on this draft season. Remember, his ADP was still like 75, 80. That has come up quite a bit. Terry's ADP now is 47 and a half. However, it's not enough. He was number 30 last year per game. And that was on a team that had Miles Bridges. So he, there's no way he's taking a step back. There is a small chance he gets an extra shot this year, perhaps. And then if we assume everything else stays almost the same on Rozier, then you just add a few points, maybe a little in assists, a little in threes, a little in free throws. He moves up into that mid-20s per game area. That's your upside. And he's generally been pretty healthy. Started last year with a couple of sprained ankles, missed like five or six games right at the beginning, and then missed like three the rest of the year, which was pretty sweet. So I've got Rozier. I I went really conservative here, and I actually put him almost right at the same spot as last season, 30 again per game, because I didn't want you guys thinking I was nuts. Uh, But totals, I've got him at 24, and I think he could go higher than this. I think it's possible that I was a little bit safe on Rozier, but... But he's right there in with Porzingis, and so you're kind of making a call on what stat set you want. Rozier probably wins the totals battle. Porzingis probably wins the per-game battle. So you kind of look at your team, you figure out what you can handle there. Shea Gilgis-Alexander. His ADP plummeted during due to a preseason injury. It's at 49.1 for a guy who was number 34 per game last year. But yeah, they sat him a bunch. They tanked. He played only 56 ball games, so I get it. And this is one you're only doing per game. By totals, I, I don't want anything to do with it because there are going to be rest days coming. We just don't know when they are. And that's crummy because at least with like injured guys, you're like, all right, well, this is like you just hold your breath every game. With OKC, you're just watching. I'm like, all right, what's the day that he's just going to not play anymore because they're tanking. It's happening this year at some point. So I actually have him losing to his ADP by totals, but I do have him beating it by about a round on the per-game side. So I like that one a little bit, not a ton, and there's sort of a caveat there as well. Uh, I guess he counts as a younger guy, but because of the tank thing, he almost kind of falls into the old man category, and pretty much everybody we've talked about so far, with the exception of DeJounte Murray, has an old man kind of fantasy game, and how they ended up where they are is sort of old man-related, or tangentially related to it. After this point, 
it kind of flips back and forth. It's almost half and half between what you'd consider the traditional old and then some slightly more exciting guys that I think are actually just a bit underdrafted, which maybe this is the part you guys are more excited to hear about anyway. But, ho, 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 but, friends, you ever get the feeling that somebody's watching you? Like, even when there's no one else in the room. I know what you're probably thinking. It's Halloween season. You're just being paranoid. You've been jamming out to Rockwell way too much. But this is real. Every single day, there's actually somebody watching your every move. The worst part is you're paying them to do it. And that someone is your ISP, your internet service provider, the company you pay for your internet. Every website you visited late at night, how much time you spend on them, hopefully it's mostly fantasy sports, they're keeping tabs on you. And that is why I use ExpressVPN. If you use the internet, which you all do because you're listening to a podcast, ExpressVPN is an app that you just have to be using because ISPs are legally allowed to sell all of our browsing data to advertisers. But with ExpressVPN, 100% of your traffic is rerouted through the encrypted servers and no one can see a thing. And the best part, it's so easy to use. You just open up an app, you tap one big button, and that's it. Works on all your devices. You can use it on five different devices at the same time. So stop letting people invade your privacy. Right now, get three extra months of ExpressVPN for free when you go to expressvpn.com slash hoopball. That's always fun to bring that bad boy back. That's expressvpn.com slash hoopball. Expressvpn.com slash hoopball. Go there now. Learn more. Get three extra months of the service for free. All right, let's do a couple more names on the board. I figured we weren't going to get through all of them, and unfortunately we only got through like about half. 50.1, the ADP on Desmond Bain. Um, this is one that's kind of similar to the Terry Rozier situation where he was just better than this, and the market's like, nah, we don't believe it. Des was 36 last year, and there's no reason to think his role shrinks in Memphis. In fact, if anything, it grows. He only played 29.8 minutes per game last season. That's a number that could just go up a little bit, maybe. I know they don't want to. They like to kind of come in swarms and waves, but he's part of the core there. You could see the field goal percent come down just a little bit, given how many three-pointers he attempts, but I don't think that's guaranteed in any way. So just tack on a little bit more stuff, and you've got a guy who should easily beat an ADP of 50.1. I mean, he was a round and a half ahead of that last year. Give him a little bit more juice. Maybe you're looking at round and three quarters, two rounds. 31 per game for Dez, totals 19. I got him playing pretty durable this year as well, so that's an easy one. Similar story for Mikael Bridges, although this one's a little bit more of a per-game total split. Bridges, one of the most durable players in the entire NBA. He hasn't missed a game in like the last two or three years now. Uh, last year's number 54 on a per-game basis. He's getting drafted at 59 this year. I do think his steals come back up a little this season. That seemed sort of anomalously low, given how good he is on defense, how many passing lanes he jumps into. Uh, so if that comes back up to like 1.4 from 1.2, he gets his per game back into the late 40s, and by totals, he's always just going to demolish that. By totals, he's a second rounder because he plays an every damn ball game. Younger guy alert, Keldon Johnson at 71.0, and this one comes down to what we saw 
post-All-Star break last year, Keldon was superb. Over his last 25 ball games, Keldon played 33 and a half minutes per game, scored 20 and a half points per contest, two and a half threes, six boards, three assists, a steal on 46.5% from the field and 81 at the free throw line with very few turnovers. And guess what? DeJounte Murray was still there when that was going on. This is a season that, yes, there will be some tank stuff, so he's going to get some games off just to, you know, catch his breath. But minus that, you're looking at a guy that I believe should be inside the top 50 on a per-game basis with the ability to maybe even go higher. Like, they might just turn him loose. Go take shots, Keldon. He could take 16 and a half. He could take 17 shots per game. I would not be blown away. Uh, and in that, that point, on the same clip that he was scoring the last two and a half, eh, two months-ish last year, you could be looking at a guy that's scoring 22, 23 points per game. But I want to keep it kind of in check. So per game for Johnson, I matched that late season number, 46, 47. I think they do rest him enough, so totals in the early 50s, but I actually believe that could go higher. I kind of, again, I kept it in check instead of getting really aggressive there. Uh, but per game with Keldon, I could see him maybe even getting near 40. Old man alert, Jakob Pertl, ADP of 71.8 on Pertl. He'll beat that, 54 by totals, uh, excuse me, by averages. 60 by totals, I think they will rest him a little bit. There's also the possibility, the specter that looms of a trade. So he certainly fits the build more on a roto side, because you kind of get what you get if he gets moved. You lose him halfway through the year, your head-to-head -head team completely changes. So that one, again, a little bit safer on the Roto side with Jakob Pertl. Jamal Murray, ADP of 80.7. He will get his 15 rest days this year. So by totals, he barely beats that number. By totals, I got him in the mid-70s. Not that much of an advantage there. Again, Roto-leaning play here. But per game, I've got Jamal at 57. I know people are like, oh, he's top 40 when he's healthy. Yeah, it's going to take him some time to get those legs back. And maybe he does creep his way back up towards that 40 mark. I just, I don't see it happening quickly. So, you know, a month in the 80s, a month in the 90s, whatever we get here at the front end out of Jamal, he's going to have to work really hard the rest of the year to kind of wipe that off the slate. But then maybe he does go like 45, 50 range for four months to finish the year. And that's why per game I've got him more in the 50s. But again... You know, Roto side, this is a guy you can get in the 80s now. If you can get a guy in the 80s that, again, Roto, on the per-game side is going to beat that by two rounds, maybe more, you do it. And I think the last one we're going to do today, as we approach the 40-minute mark on this pod, um, how many does that leave the rest of the way? One of them, five, there's like 10 more tomorrow. So now we're through, now we're through like three-quarters of it. So we're getting there. Uh, but I wanted to get one more young guy in. And then tomorrow, oh, no. Ah, man. I feel bad not getting one of my favorites in. No, nah, all right, we'll do two more today. Devin Vassell, 81.6 is the ADP on Vassell. Uh, you know, he's a similar story, really, to what we just talked about with Keldon Johnson. But it's actually his value is more hidden. Because Vassell, over those same month and a half, two months, was number 71. 31 minutes a game, 14 points, four and a half boards, almost three assists, 1.7 combined defensive stats, two and a half three pointers, very good free throw percent, field goal percent not so great. But the DeJounte Murray thing has a much bigger impact on Vassell than it does on Keldon Johnson. 
Sure, Keldon might see a little bit more usage with no DeJounte, but Vassell playing on the wing and in the backcourt at times, a lot of that responsibility now shifts over to him. Yeah, there'll be some Trey Jones, some Josh Primo. Yes, I know. But when a guard leaves, guards do tend to benefit first. And Vassell, shooting guard, small forward, whatever you want to call him, more shooting guard, I think. I expect to see his usage spike in a way that with Johnson probably goes up a little bit, but not that much. And for Vassell, usage is definitely value. Because put the ball in his hands more, 12 shots, does that become 14? Does 14 points become 16 or 17? Does 2.7 assists, does that become 3.2? Two and a half threes, does that work its way up? The extra free throws, it's not going to counterbalance the field goal percent, but it certainly works toward it. There's a lot to like about him. So, per game-wise, Vassell, I went careful again in the early 60s. I think it actually goes higher than that if you want to get aggressive. And then if there's any kind of tank stuff, totals maybe does drop him back a little bit. But I really like him at 81.6. If you can actually get him there, uh, I feel like you kind of have to. And the last one on today's show, I had to make it to this one. Big Al, who might be the poster boy for this season's Dan Bespris Old Man Squad. And he frankly could have been last year's poster boy for the Dan Bespris Old Man Squad because Big Al was freaking awesome last year. He had one month in the middle of the year where he struggled and everybody asked, should I drop him? And I said, what are you talking about? Big Al was number 47 on a per-game basis last year, playing, mind you, remember, and I, I'm not, <laughs> you're not going to get me to go in and look to see exactly how many games he and Time Lord played together last year, but I will tell you, Robert Williams played 61 games, Big Al played 69, so, you know, fuzzy math says Big Al only got to start at center and like eight of those games, but, you know, I'm sure that, you know, that maybe it was lower, a tiny bit higher. Regardless... Like, it could be as many as 21 of them if Big Al played in every game that Time Lord missed and so on and so forth. Regardless, Robert Williams is out for probably two months to start this year. And even then, they're going to work him back slowly. That's a big injury. And Boston had something wonderful with Horford at center. He was so good in the games where he got to play center last season. You can pull him out. You can isolate it if you want. I don't even need you to because we're just going to go as conservative again as possible with our rankings here. But look, here's the thing with Big Al. He was 47, mostly playing power forward last year. Where do you think he goes when that mostly power forward becomes like half power forward? Let's say half the year he's playing power forward this year, whereas last season maybe it was more like 75% of his games. His value goes up. And this is a dude, remember, who was at almost eight rebounds a game, two combined defensive stats, and put him closer to the rim, field goal percent gets better, rebounds get better, blocks, I don't know if they get better because they were pretty good last year, but maybe they do, certainly stay the same. We've heard that he doesn't want to rest as many days and they might need him to play in more of these games, especially in the front half of the season. Maybe the rest comes a little bit later, but hard to see him getting more than like seven or eight days off. I don't think they rest him on every back-to-back this season. I don't think they did last year. If Al Horford stays healthy from any big-type injuries, I think you're looking at someone who's a fourth-rounder per game this year again, and I think you're looking at someone who might even creep into the late third-round 
by totals this year. And if he doesn't make that early fourth, uh, last year he was late fourth per game, mid fourth totals. I think he might even be better. And he's going in the late 80s. Sorry, mid 80s. I've seen him even fall past that. People are petrified of him because he's old, but good Lord, he's building off a brilliant campaign and his role got better. So if you guys think I like Kevin Durant a lot, I'm glad you got to wait through this pod to get to Big Al. I get it. One of his advantages is being a very low turnover guy who also gets assists from the center position. So 8-cat, it's not quite as massive a jump, but in 9-category leagues, especially if you have some high turnover guys through your first 5 or 6 rounds, Al Horford might be my favorite play on the board this year. Big Al. Got to put the pin in things after that one. We have exactly 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 more names on tomorrow's show. We got through uh, like 25, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 22, I think we did. All right, so we're about two-thirds of the way through. My bad, guys. I miscalculated a few minutes ago. Regardless, we'll finish up the Dan Vespers Old Man Squad in tomorrow's show. We'll kind of rehash who the big favorites are from it. And then, strategically, we'll get you ready to start your fantasy season. Thank you once again to the great folks at ExpressVPN. We're going to talk to you a little bit about Thrive Fantasy, actually, starting on tomorrow's show as well. Off-season episode 136? Question mark? 137, and then we got games. I am Dan Vespers. I will talk to you guys on social media at Dan Vespers. This is a Sports Ethos presentation. Last day. Go get that draft guide. You'll thank me. I promise. Talk to you tomorrow. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.